enemy who is absolutely committed to our total destruction. It's good for us to remember that. He does not want us to trip and fall. He wants us to be completely and utterly destroyed. And so we will come into a situation in our Christian life where we'll be beaten or be about to be beaten, and we have to have the option of reinforcement. I'm going to talk tonight about a reinforcing grace because we have those reinforcements available to us as children of God. Grace provides the help we need to win the battles that we face. I want to look tonight at how grace uh, supplies us in, the, in three different areas, unity, stability, and maturity. We've already talked about unity last week. We'll just touch on that this week. Uh, but while these, it, when these things are missing, we tend to lose the battle. When they are supplied, we'll be prepared for every attack of the enemy. Now I want to read tonight Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Look at those words, access by faith, wherein we stand, we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. When's the last time you gloried in tribulation? <laughs> How was your day? Wonderful. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, and we rejoice in it? Well, that's what he said. And patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. A reinforcing grace. Father, we thank you for this evening. We pray you'd help us in the next few moments here and uh, get a, a clear message out of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. January 31st, 2000, Flight 261 left Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, en route for San Francisco. Uh, there were 88 passengers on board. At 28,000 feet above the Pacific Ocean, the crew started to report problems with the, the plane's stabilizer trim. It's the horizontal trim that's on the back wing that uh, keeps the plane level. And these small flaps were uh, starting to get out of whack. In just a few moments, the plane was in an uncontrollable descent into the ocean, crashed and killed everybody on board. The Transportation Safety Board investigated and they found uh, the problem. It was a jack screw that controlled this, uh, this, the, these uh, stabilizer trims. And the jack screw, just this little jack screw, had not been maintained, had not been greased like it should have been, and so it was stuck and could not do the job. And it, it was basically this tiny piece, this tiny part of a gigantic plane determined the fate of everybody on board. That's an amazing thing to me. Too often, we neglect little areas in our Christian life. It's not evident at first, but it can tend to disastrous results. Uh, as a result of this negligence, uh, thing, we can be backslidden, we can, have, uh, we can fall into sin or choose to go the wrong way. Uh, from the outside, it's nearly impossible uh, to tell if, you're, if you've ignored your spiritual maintenance for a day or two or a week or a month even sometimes. Uh, it's, it's not, you know, you come to church, we carry our Bible, we wear our Sunday best, we have our smile on. And it, I can't look at you and say, oh, that guy didn't read his Bible all week or that lady didn't read her Bible all week. You can't tell when I skip my spiritual input every day at first. Now, 
uh, enough time goes on, you keep neglecting the spiritual needs of your heart, you keep ignoring your Bible, you keep living without prayer, your life is going to suffer some devastating results. But to prevent that type of tragedy, I want to learn tonight or look at some areas in which God's grace will bring unity, stability, and maturity. First of all, grace brings unity. We talked about this at length last week. I'm not going to go into uh, much more about this, but uh, the most important type of unity we can have is unity with God through Christ. We talk a lot about unity with one another, and that's important. We need to have unity with one another, but we need to have unity this way as well. It's only through His grace that we can have a relationship and harmony with Him at all. The only real and lasting basis we have uh, for our unity as believers is our unity with God, as I've mentioned before. As we're in tune with Him, we're in tune with one another. That's our goal. And so this unity comes through the grace of God. Secondly, a grace that brings stability. In 1 Peter 5, verse 10, the Bible says, But the God of all grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. No matter what is happening in our lives, grace can give us that stability. The people that Peter was writing to were going through some really bad times, like that letter from Myanmar tonight. I was reading that. There's several more. He's, he's writing me every day and, and just giving me little updates. But it's incredible what they're going through, these persecution and these struggles. Yet he said that they could be established. They could be settled through the grace of God. You don't have to live doubt and uncertainty reigning in your life. Uh, you can be settled and you can be confident no matter what's going on around you. Now, i got to admit to you, when I consider the move, some of the things that are happening in our nation right now, the move against morality, the attack against Christians, the promotion of killing babies, and those type of things that are happening actively in our nation, when I consider uh, uh, you know, our open borders, our su- suspicious elections, and those different types of things, I, it's, it's hard to be settled. It, I need the grace of God to be settled. Amen? And, and we need that. All of us need it. And so uh, it takes that and we need to be established. I like that word too in First Peter 5. Establish, strengthen, and settle. Uh, so those are important things. His grace here we see in our text is accessible. In the days of the tabernacle and the temple, no one was allowed in the Holy of Holies except the high priest on the Day of Atonement. The way to the glory or being in the presence of the glory of God was impossible, was not allowed because of sin but when Christ died on the cross you know the story the temple veil was ripped from top to bottom that separate thing that separated us and kept us out was taken down because of Christ's work on the cross so he made access to God obtainable how by grace through faith Bible says now because of what he did let us therefore come boldly to the throne of God and find grace that uh, we may obtain mercy and find grace and help to help in time of need the access that Paul spoke about in our text in fact the original word for access by whom also we have access is a prosagogy something uh, it's hard to my wife heard it last night I'll have her say it I was re- I played it on the computer and she said what in the world is that word but uh, it's a Greek word that means approach to God approach as to God in other words that relationship 
with God by which we're accepted by Him and He is favorably disposed towards us. Because of grace, God is approachable. Just think about this again. These are things we take for granted. We've been raised to know we can pray anytime we want to. We can pray whether it's in a combine, on a car, or, in a, uh, or walking down the road, or where it is. We can just pray. We lift our prayers whenever we want to, and God hears us. This wasn't always the case. This, was a, this is a, a, a wonderful result of the grace of God. God is approachable. <coughs> For any relationship to be stable, the individuals involved in the relationship need to be approachable. You ever had anybody mad at you or bitter at you? And uh, when they see you coming, they go the other way or they work hard to avoid you. First of all, that's childish behavior. But secondly, it's very detrimental to repairing that relationship because you have to be approachable. If you're not approachable, then the relationship's going to go south. So our Heavenly Father is approachable because of our relationship in Jesus Christ. Before salvation, we're all condemned in Adam. But in Christ, we stand righteous before God and we can come boldly into His presence. This is an amazing fact that we need to not uh, take for granted. We need to be grateful for that. As believer priests, remember one of the things that <coughs> Baptists believe, the P in Baptists, priesthood of the believer. Uh, as believer priests, we have complete access to Him ourselves. God, Jesus gives us access. And so His grace is not only accessible, it's stabilizing. Grace gives us this new standing before God. Paul described it here. And look at verse 2. Also we have access by faith under this grace wherein we stand. We never have to fear or wonder uh, in our lives regarding God's love for us. We don't have to ever be worried about that. It was settled uh, through grace. We live in a world of doubt and worry, but we can be confident in our standing. And that's a blessing. One of the best things about grace, it gives us a solid and certain place on which to stand. Uh, one of the most famous scientists of the ancient world was Archimedes. And he's the one that said, you give me a lever long enough and a firm place to stand and I'll move the world. Uh, well, he, we have a place to stand, amen? And we can move the world uh, with the lever of the Word of God. His grace brings also hope. There's no stability in a life that has no hope. Look again at verse 2, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. As a Christian, we have that certain hope. Now, most of us won't uh, probably receive a giant inheritance. Maybe you will. If you, are, if you are that fortunate, that's good. I was not fortunate enough to have anybody in my life that I know of that's going to be able to give me a big inheritance. Um, maybe you have a rich uncle. I don't even have an uncle named Rich, unless you want to be my uncle. But uh, I don't even, I don't have any of that. But uh, here's, an, here's a great thing. Ty, Paul told Titus, tur, turn to Titus 3, turn to Titus 3. This is, this is a great, a great verse, a couple of verses. Paul told Titus, I hope I remember where this is found here, I think. <coughs> uh, yes, verse 7, Titus 3, verse 7. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That is awesome. To be made heirs with Jesus Christ. Uh, we are entitled to share with Him everything that He has. Contemplate on that for a while. What could be a better source of hope than that? 
to be heirs with Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 5, 2, we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This, in a nutshell, is what salvation and the security, eternal security in it is all about, the confidence that we are saved and it is for keeps. This is a wonderful thing to thought about being heirs. When I was a child, I used to work with my grandfather once in a while, my dad's dad, and a great, great uh, fun person to work with as a kid. And uh, he used to uh, joke about, we were working with wood one day, and we, he had this axe, and he, we, we made this joke about the fact he was going to pass this axe down to me after he died, and he made a big deal about it because he said it was Abraham Lincoln's axe. Now, he said the head was replaced, and then the handle was replaced, and then the head was replaced again, then the handle again, many times over, but it was still the same axe. And we started that discussion, can it be the same axe if it's been replaced? No, no, that was Abraham Lincoln's axe. I didn't get his axe, but uh, uh, I did receive, when after he did pass on, I did get one thing from my grandfather, or from his things, and that was a 410 shotgun that I kind of cherish now. But what I received from him was not dependent on what I had. It was dependent on what he had. And when we're heirs of anybody, it, it doesn't depend on... That's, that's the way it is with the inheritance from God. What he has to offer is not dependent on what we, what we have to offer, but what he can offer us. What a great thought to be heirs with Jesus Christ. That's a great thing to have. Then finally, grace brings maturity. We talk about growing in grace. Uh, we've talked about it all throughout this series about grace. What does that really mean, growing in grace? Well, really, it just means maturing as believers. Growing more mature spiritually. Just as our physical bodies grow and become stronger after we're born, our spiritual bodies need to develop in strength as well. And I don't think any of us ought to settle for our current spiritual growth. We ought to always be looking to grow more in our in our Christian life. Uh, God has something better in mind for you. And it is, uh, it, it's a sad thing to see a Christian failing to grow in the grace of God. Mature. And we see it all the time. People get saved and then they won't come to church or they won't, let, uh, they won't invest in the Word of God or let the Word of God grow in them and they just don't grow. And it's the most miserable thing to see a Christian that's not growing in the Lord both for them and seeing it. But God's design for us is that we are rooted in His grace so we might grow to maturity. Now, very quickly, here Romans 5 shows us four ways that maturity develops in our lives. Look at the first here. Uh, and not only so, verse 3, but we glory in tribulations. Maturity through tribulations. By the way, that is Christian maturity to glory in tribulations. Because an immature person <coughs> does not glory in tribulations. A one-year-old baby who pinches their finger or hurts themselves does not deal with that in a mature way. They just open mouth scream, blood-curdling scream. It takes a mature person to, uh, to be able to take on a tribulation and deal with it properly, same way as a Christian. Grace is not just for the mountaintop. Uh, it is through grace that we can rejoice in the valley. The word tribulation comes from the Latin word tribulum, and it means it's a, talking about a heavy instrument used to process grain. So the tribulum was a heavy, uh, had, a, had a heavy stone cylinder, and it had sharp points and different things built into it, that uh, uh, parts of iron and different things that would 
uh, scrape over the grain and it would tear the chaff away. That's the idea of this tribulations in our life as well. When tribulations come into our lives, it, it, it removes the chaff from our lives. It leaves behind it something that is more worthwhile in our service for the Lord. If you have ever went through a, a bad uh, tribulation in your family, I think of even the time we went through with, with Wes a couple of years ago, and uh, the purifying that God does in our lives through tribulation and hard times, and that's taking that chaff out. It's not an immediate process. Uh, the word worketh here, worketh means to perform, to accomplish, to achieve, to work out. The reason that grace enables us to rejoice in tribulations is we know that trials uh, bring God's desired intent. We don't always know how or why, but you know in the end that God allows these things to come in our life to bring about His desired end for us. So we understand there's a purpose in it and it makes us respond to it differently as a Christian, especially as a mature Christian. All right, maturity through tribulations. Then maturity to, maturity to bring patience. After that, he says in patience, verse 4. You might remember the verse James 1, uh, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Always hated that verse. <laughs> I would like to download patience if I could. Thank you very much. I don't want to get there by tribulations and troubles, but that's the way it is. Uh, tribulation brings patience. That's just the beginning of the process. Patience has a work to do in our lives as well. Uh, it, patience makes us complete, lacking nothing that we need to accomplish God's purposes. Uh, don't get discouraged with the work that God is trying to accomplish in you. He does that through unpleasant things. It's the only way we grow. We don't grow from pleasant things. We grow from unpleasant things. Is just the same thing for our bodies. Uh, the, the way that we grow in strength and the way we get into shape is never... I mean, wouldn't you love to get in shape by eating donuts sitting on the couch? That would be wonderful if that were the way to get into shape. But it's not. To get into shape, it's to do things that are unpleasant, like run, which is the most horrible thing you could ever do, in my opinion, is run. Uh, or, or those type of things. But that's how you get... Good results physically and also spiritually it's the same way. Second only to suffering. Waiting may be the greatest teacher of godliness and maturity. Waiting is something I don't like either. In fact, waiting and suffering are synonyms as far as I'm concerned. But uh, those are both important for us uh, to grow in our Christian life. Uh, afflictions born patiently shows what a Christian is made of. As we bear afflictions and do it safely... By the way, what's another word for that? Being long-suffering. Bearing something patiently. It tests our, uh, our, our Christianity and proves that it's genuine. And then maturity through experience. Experience results from the process of proving. The Greek word for experience is dokamim. It means a trial or a testing. God's plan for our lives is not instant gratification. That's what we like, but that's not God's plan. By the way, why do you think Satan has so much success in, in tempting people to sin? Because sin brings instant gratification. Doing right does not. You remember Moses when he said he came to years, he chose to, he chose to suffer with the people of God because he had his eye on the reward? So Moses faced two things just like all of us face two things. We face pleasure or pleasure. 
Sin gives us pleasure right now. Uh, doing right gives us pleasure down the road. Forever. Eternally. So which one are we going to choose? Uh, it, it's not instant gratification for God, though. Uh, it, it takes time. God's plan is a cycle, and it starts and ends with hope. We started in our text with the hope of the glory of God, then rejoicing in tribulations, then tribulation work of patience, which then produces stability. Steadfastness produces experience, which does what? Produces hope. So we begin and end with hope. And that's the last one, maturity to hope. As we grow in grace, we learn to hope no matter how difficult the circumstances. Isn't that the greatest thing about being a Christian? There's always hope of something better. I mean, these people that are going through what they are in Myanmar, I, my heart grows out, goes out to them. What they're, but, but as a Christian, we can hope towards, even if, life is, if our life is ended, it's still get, we have a hope for something better. Paul tells us it's a hope that maketh not ashamed. That is, it doesn't result in disappointment ever. Uh, everything that happens in our lives is according to the design and purpose of God. If you've been saved for a few weeks or a few days, God's working all things together for good, Romans 8.28, to make you more like His Son, Romans 8.29. is the process, 29 is the purpose. So grace brings us into unity with other believers because of our oneness with Christ. Grace will give you stability and a firm foundation on which to stand. Grace will give you maturity as it empowers you to grow in Him. That's the process here we talked about tonight. Unity, stability, maturity. Now, I close with this question for you to contemplate. Will you still be faithful to God a year from now? Will you still be faithful to God five years from now, if the Lord tarries? Will you still be faithful to God ten years from now? There's really, we can have good intent. We can say, yes, absolutely, I'll be faithful for God as long as I live. However, it's only going to happen if we're growing in grace. It's not going to happen if we allow ourselves to stagnate, if we allow ourselves to coast. We're not continually scrambling to learn more and become more, uh, you know, let the Word of God work in us, stay faithful to church, stay faithful to the Lord. And, and if we're not continually growing, because I really believe with all my heart, you're either growing or you're stagnating, you're going backwards. There's no such thing as standing still in the Christian life. You're moving forward or you're backsliding. And we need to be pressing forward. Grace will give you, will keep you from becoming bitter, discouraged, and throwing in the towel. Uh, it, it's so easy. And I see it almost on a weekly basis. People just give up. I even had one young man tell me not too long ago, I tried this Christian thing and it's just not working for me. Uh, ignorant statement, but that's it. That, was his th that was his thinking. Grace... Growing in grace gets you beyond that point. So let's continue to do that. Growing in grace and in Christian maturity. Father, thank you for...